Good morning. Today we start a new series uh, that we call The Favor Factor. And one of the truths that we want, us, we want to capture is that one action, one action gets us under the grace of God. But it takes many actions to walk in the favor of God. And over these next several weeks, we're going to talk about some of those actions and some of those things that get us in the place of the favor of God. Let's look in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Father, I pray you'd let us see your glory. I pray you'd let us see your greatness. I pray you'd let us give right judgment to our own abilities so that we would never walk with a haughty spirit. You'd let us see others rightly through your loving eyes so that we would never walk with a haughty spirit, that we would see others' needs clearly. And that, Father, you'd let us walk in the humility of our need for you, of your greatness. So, Lord, I I ask you today for favor to share this word, for favor for the hearers to hear this word, and for us to move closer into your will and under your favor because of it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. amen. It is good to see you on this first Sunday of August. I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad to see you today. Looking forward to these next several weeks as we uh, talk about the favor factor. And then we come uh, to the middle of of September. And as we get to the middle of September, we're going to have a very special Sunday with a a great friend of mine who's going to be here And he's going to talk about overcoming failure and how to respond in in moments of failure. I've listened to this message that he has to share. He talks about a very personal failure in his own life. And and I want to encourage you. I think it's the 18th or 19th of September. I'm not sure the exact Sunday, whatever that weekend is. Uh, Write that weekend down and make sure you're here that weekend. And make sure you invite somebody that weekend. It's going to be a great, great weekend. So if you have your phones or you have your, you can get them out right now and go to your calendar and put don't miss this week right on there, okay? I want to thank uh, Dan and, and Ryan for, uh, for speaking the last, filling in and speaking the last couple of weeks and, and giving uh, me a break. Two weeks ago, we drove over and visited a friend's church and enjoyed that in another community. And last week, Renee and I went over the, to, to the traditional service and uh, got to experience that as just observers and being a part of the service and enjoyed that. The last couple of weeks on Wednesday nights, Renee and I have attended the Oasis uh, as we're going through this transition with uh, Riley and Casey. This is their last Sunday here before they move. And uh, throughout the last couple of weeks, we've been interviewing and talking to uh, young people about being the youth pastors and interviewing people in that, in the process of all of that. Uh, Two weeks ago, my son Michael spoke in the Oasis. It's the first time he ever 
uh, preached any place, talked any place. Didn't know if he had any interest in that at all. He came to Renee earlier in the summer and said, I'd like to do that sometime. And uh, we gave him a shot, and he did that uh, this last uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I, I wanted to go hear that. Yeah. And, uh, and I, was, I was absolutely, uh, I was blessed. And this last, sun, this last Wednesday night, Another young man that's grown up in our church, Josiah Gordon, uh, spoke last Wednesday night. And it was, he just, both these young men just did a, a fantastic job. Josiah feels a call into youth ministry and attends Evangel University preparing to do that. And uh, this was his first time getting up and being able to, to speak. And you would have been thrilled to hear these young men and, and hear what they have to, have to say and uh, to see the gifting of God beginning to flow out of their lives. On the 24th, I'm going to speak in the Oasis, uh, and I'm going to talk about the future of the Oasis and the future of youth ministries. And if you have a child in junior high or high school, I want to encourage you not only to send them that Wednesday night, but I want to encourage you to come over and join us that Wednesday night in the Oasis uh, over on Jefferson Street as we talk about the future of youth ministry and the things that are going to be taking place. If you have a real, real interest in that, you can come join us uh, as well. Other, our services will be going on here. But uh, I'm excited about where God wants to take us. We face a different battle today in youth ministry than at any time in my lifetime, in my history, of reaching out to a generation of young people growing up. And we better understand our times. We better understand what's going on in our times. And we better address them rightly. And that's what we're going to be doing our best to do. I'm so grateful that as a, as a teenager here at Calvary, I was given the same kind of opportunities that we gave to Michael and we gave to Josiah uh, this last couple of weeks. And it was in those moments of having the opportunity, even at times when I didn't even want it, to be frank with you, but was kind of forced into it at times. Uh, it was in those moments that I began to discover gifting. And I would, a great lesson I would tell you in this. Don't just stay in your comfort zones. Don talked about going on a missions trip, doing some things. Don't just stay in your comfort zones. Step out into some things. Let, let, be encouraged to do some things. Doesn't mean you have to stay in those things forever. But sometimes when you step outside of your comfort zone and try something new, you begin to discover the gifting of God in your life. You begin to discover something going on in your life that you didn't know was there that God has for you. That's, that's exactly what began to happen to me. And what happens is this. When you're doing what you're called to do. When you find the place where God really wired you up to do something, there's something about doing that thing where you feel the pleasure of God. Have you ever felt the pleasure of God? Have you ever done something, finished something, walked away from something, and in that moment, 
felt the peace of God and God whispering in your spirit, well done. If you've never experienced that, that is a life-altering moment. It, it is a transformational moment of understanding who we are and how we're wired up and where fulfillment comes from in life and what we were made for. I believe it's the, the greatest thing we can achieve upon this earth is finding where we're gifted and using those gifts for the glory of God's kingdom. And it's why I believe the greatest moment in all of our existence will be that moment when Jesus looks at us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's, there's gonna be something about the pleasure of the great God of glory looking at us and saying, well done. But I would tell you, you've gotta do something to earn that. He didn't say, well sitting. Well watching, well observing. What does he say? Well done. At first, the gifting that brought life in my life was just doing things like this, communicating, doing what I'm doing right now. And I, I didn't want to do it, didn't have a desire to do it, was kind of forced into it and found myself sensing God's direction in my life and, and found myself being blessed to do this and finding some life and energy in that well done, that sense of well done in it, and, and wanting to grow in that more and more. And I found that especially at that time in my life as I worked with teenagers. I loved you know, working with teenagers and, and seeing their life touched. And, but uh, as a young man, I had the opportunity to do that a lot. I had an opportunity to travel quite a bit even before I got out of high school and, and then into, into college and then as I was youth pastor here, I found myself traveling uh, quite a bit. I was single at the time and had a lot of freedom to do that kind of thing. But there came a point in my life, I just want to tell you, there came a point, I remember very specifically, leaving a camp that I'd been at for a week, speaking at it for a week. We'd had a great week that week. And leaving that camp, not with the feeling of well done, but with the feeling of a, a little bit of emptiness. Knowing that, we'd had, knowing that we'd had good things happen. And I found myself driving home from that camp, struggling a, a little bit with that feeling and that, that emptiness and, and beginning to realize that my, the calling in my life and the gifting of my life was more than just walking in someplace, speaking for a day or two and leaving that where I found real life at was different than that. I, I began to realize I'm not called to travel and speak a lot. Of, I'm called to be a pastor. That's what I'm called. That's where I, I, I began to see that I was finding life and seeing lives develop in the fullness of God and discovering the fullness of life that comes when we follow after Christ. That that's where life was for me. I'm not saying anything against people who travel and speak. That's where their gifting is at. But I found that that, that wasn't what, where God was leading me. I love being a pastor. I enjoy being a pastor. I, I love you. I, I love our community. And I hope you know that. I hope you sense that from me. 
For the most part, I find life in the I find life in the work of ministry. I find joy in it. Uh, sometimes when something's going rough and there's a bad situation going on in somebody's life or uh, a tragic situation going on in somebody's life, someone will come by me and they'll say, Pastor, we know it's rough being a pastor and it's hard. We're really praying for you. And I want to tell you, I appreciate that. I, I can't tell you how much I need your prayers. I, I hope I'm on every one of your prayer lists and I hope you're, you're breathing up a prayer for me every day to make wise decisions, to do wise things, and to give glory to God in, in, all, in all that I do. But frankly, most of the times when people say that to me, they, they don't understand what the really hard stuff is for me. A lot of the pastoral stuff is a challenge and need the wisdom of God, but that's not what beats me up. Can I tell you what really beats me up? You want to know what really beats me up? Uh, that when, when it, when it, the thing that when it's time to do it, I go, oh no. And I don't want to go to work that day. How many of you have days when you don't want to go to work? Yeah. Something you got to do and you know, I don't want to do that today. Yeah. Am I the only one that, a few of you raised your hand. Or do all of you have that experience? Here's mine. I'm going to tell you what mine is. Budgeting. I feel sorry for our guys who have to work in that budgeting process because I don't enjoy it at all. Uh, budgeting beats me at dealing with the money. Now, I, I'm sure most of you have assignments at work that you dread. That just happens to be mine, working on the budget. Now, I know I have to do it. I know I have to work at it. If I'm going to be the lead pastor, the budget is where ministry decisions are made, where we decide what, our, what, what we're going to fund and what we're going to do and how we're going to move forward in ministry and what's important in ministry. So I, I know I have to be a part of that, but I would, I, I would just as soon not be a part of it. I, I'd as soon leave that to somebody else. Now, giving to me has never been a problem. God spoke to me about giving. Many of you have heard my testimony. Before I understood salvation, I understood giving and the blessing that comes in giving. And the, 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 I know that God blesses the generous giver. I don't have a problem giving at all. I don't have a problem talking to you about giving even when some of you don't like it. Because I have to talk to you about things you don't like all the time. In fact, if I never talk to you about something you don't like, I'm, as I've said before, I'm probably not doing a good job. Because we're going to go against the, the, the kingdom of God is going to go against the flesh sometimes. And so to get up and talk about something that is uncomfortable is part of what the pastor has to do. And, and so talking about giving for me, that's not a, that's the, the I, I, don't, I don't mind that. I don't have a problem talking about giving because I know how the kingdom of God works and I know how blessed you will be if you'll be obedient to God. I know what kind of blessing will come your way what kind of favor you'll rest under. See, other than spiritual warfare, I'll tell you, other than just the spiritual warfare that tries to keep us blind, I don't understand why everybody doesn't get this truth, that giving brings the blessing of God. So understand why people don't get it. We get to, listen, when you give, you get to invest in eternity. We should all clap and cheer when it's offering time. 
because we get, a, we get to invest in eternity and, the, and, 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 and there's going to be a blessing that comes back. We get to help others when we give. It's a clear way to ministry. I get, when I give as God leads me to give, I get to bless others. God loves a cheerful giver. Do you get it? He says it really clearly. So I hope God loves me. Be a cheerful giver. God especially loves cheerful givers. And God blesses the obedient giver. He empowers the obedient giver. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead a little bit. But this is simple. Giving is the one place where God says, test me. God says, test me. So I, I want to challenge you, test God. If you're not giving at all, and I read a statistic a few weeks ago that said in evangelical churches across America, 32% of the people never give anything. I hope that's not true here. But if you're not giving at all, put God to the test and start. To start, give something. Do you give occasionally? Just determine, okay, I'm going to give every week and see if God blesses me. I'm going to put God to the test every time I come. Even if I don't come, I'm going to send something in through, the, you know, through online giving. I'm going to give every week, and I'm just going to see if God blesses me. Give it six months. See what God does. If you give $5 a week, give $10 a week. Put God to the test. He says, test me. Whatever your number is, up it for six months and see what God does. If you're not giving a percent yet, give a percent. If you're giving 1%, give 2 Start saying, okay, I'm going I'm to start, God, if you bless me, I'm going to work towards this goal of being an obedient tither as you've told me to be. I just want to challenge you today to do what God tells you to do and see if God will do what he says he will do. Because he says, test, is this good? Is this good? Put God to the test. And as you pray for me, and, and as I have to work, as you pray for me, think about us working with the budget, because here's what really bugs me most with the budget. There's so much more we could do if everybody was obedient. We have to not do some things when somebody's not obedient. But when everybody's obedient. Now let me tell you what really turns me on as a pastor. <clears throat> when I see people moving into kingdom of God living, when I see some, somebody turn a corner and begin to change their life in some way and become obedient to what God would have them to do, they begin changing their attitude, they begin changing their words, they begin changing their actions, they begin changing the way they treat their family, they begin changing their priorities and putting them in the order of God's word as to what God would have them to do. Yeah, I'll tell you what it feels like. It's, it's like when you have children and they call you dad for the first time and you can't get enough of it. Now that wears off about the time they're 13. <laughs> dad, 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 dad. That wears off. The first time they roll over, 
I remember Tatum was little and, and was, was a baby and, and she had never rolled over and she was laying on the floor one night and she, she was trying to roll over and Renee and I and I think Tina and Jessica were in the room and Tatum's laying on the floor and, we, and, and you know, the tendencies go over and help them roll over but she, you, know, you gotta let them roll over on their own and she was struggling and trying to roll over and, and finally, finally, we, just, and we were all just kind of watching her. Kind of, it just happened to all be in that moment and we're watching her try to roll over for the first time. And finally, she flipped over from her stomach to her back. And we all jumped up out of our chairs and cheered. Yay, we cheered. And it scared her and she started crying. <laughs> but do you remember those moments, the first time you saw your child do something like that? The first, the first steps that they took. Now, the first time they rode the bicycle without the training wheels. Those first moments when they... You feel like they've won the Olympics or something. And, and you're just so, that's how I feel when I see someone get a truth and begin to apply it in their life and they start changing and doing it and they find the new freedom and joy that comes from walking with God. Here's the truth I want you to understand. We are born with a sin nature, a nature that leads us away from God and away from the things of God. Separated from the spirit of God that's to lead us and guide us because of our sin nature. While we were in this condition, God sent his son to redeem us, to pay the price for us, for the rightful cost of our condition. God offers us grace. When a, the Spirit reveals this to a person, they ask Jesus to come into their life and Jesus becomes the Savior of their life and they come under the grace of God and they rest under the grace of God. It is a great place to be. To know that God has, by his free will, given you his love and restored you to relationship with him. His spirit can be upon us. He gives us new life. And guess what? It's free. It's free. You don't earn it. You can't earn it. It's unmerited favor, unearned favor. It's the grace of God. And when you come under it, God says, rest there. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let him condemn you. Don't let him make you fret about all your past sin. You blew it. You were a sinner. Your, nature was, your sin nature was at work. You've been forgiven by God. Rest under the grace of God. It doesn't cost anything. And here's the final good news about it. Heaven is our destiny. Amen? Don't let the enemy sit and say, I don't know if you're going to heaven or not. Just rebuke him. I rest under the grace of God. I rest under the work of Christ Jesus. I am born again in Jesus' name. And I rest there. I've asked him to be my Lord. I've asked him to be my Savior. I'm not a perfect human being. I am a person on the way to heaven. I'm doing my best to live for him. Let his grace grow in me. But I'm resting in the grace of God. However, I want to tell you, this isn't the end of the story. 
Though this is where many Christians live the rest of their lives, wondering why they have all the problems they have. They're under the grace of God. Still filled with worry, fret, and things not going the way they're supposed to go. There are two umbrellas we can live under as Christians. The first umbrella is this great umbrella, the grace of God. And I want to encourage all of us to live there and enjoy it. But there's also another umbrella that you can have a choice of. And, and here's the sad thing. A lot of Christians, they never get to this one. And this umbrella is the favor of God. Well, not only are they under his grace and his mercy, but they get to experience God's empowerment, God's favor, as we would put it so many, many times, where they get to experience the blessing of God. And this is, this is the one we want to talk about. How do we get under this umbrella where the grace of God is with us but we also have the favor of God. The favor factor is when God is adding his strength to your efforts. So it's not just you doing it. He's doing things through you. Now here is something that we need to know as we start to talk about the favor factor. Grace is free. You got that? Look at your neighbor and tell him grace is free. Favor is earned. Favor is earned. Favor is earned through obedience to God's word. Favor is earned as we start applying God's word and walking in obedience to God's word. If favor were free, if favor were free, then everybody, every believer's child would have a deep-seated love for God and serve God. They just raised their kid and the favor of God would be upon the way they're raising their kid. No matter what they did, the favor of God would be there and everything would go well. If, every, if, every, if favor were free, every marriage would be easy and full of joy. Everyone. Every marriage would work out just great. If, if favor were, were free, every person would have peace of heart and joy in their spirit. If favor were free. And everybody would have great success in whatever you do. If favor were free. However, that's not the way it is, is it? Many are under grace, but aren't under favor. One action gets me under grace. One action. Asking Christ to be my Lord and Savior gets me under grace. It takes many actions. And this is where you miss it on many television teachers. It takes many actions to walk under favor. Many things. And the next several weeks, we're, gonna, we're not going to get to all of them. We're going to talk about a lot of them. About how to get under favor. But let me show you one today before we go home. It's about us and God. In Matthew chapter 15, 
we read this story. It says, And Jesus went up from there and withdrew to, to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, not a, not a Jewish woman, a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, Finally, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, now listen to this answer. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is a tough story. I mean, of all the things that Jesus said, if there's anything that would make us cringe a little bit as Christians, it's this story. I mean, at first... This woman, this Gentile woman, not a Jewish woman, not, comes to Jesus with a need. And at first, he just ignores her. Have you ever felt ignored by God? You're crying out to God for something and it seems like he's just silent and there's no word coming from him. What are you tempted to do in that moment? Give up? She wasn't. She just kept crying out to God until finally the servants of God said to Jesus said can, can we get rid of her will you get rid of her I mean they didn't say Jesus what are you going to do with her Jesus can we help her is there something we can do for her they, they, they looked and said can we, we just send her away get, get rid of her they don't ask for help she's, she's, she's crying to Jesus for help she's bugging them so Jesus looks at her and says I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Undeterred. Undeterred. She falls at his feet. They've ignored him. They've ignored her. They've asked to send her away. He says, I'm not sent to you. She falls at his feet. Lord, help me. I don't care. Help me. And now it gets rough. Because now he says something that really is shocking to us. He answers her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow. What a harsh statement. And it's right here where pride destroys most of us. You're calling me a dog? You're saying I'm not worthy? Well, if that's the way you're going to be, I'm out of here. We stomp off in our pride. Her answer is staggering. She's, it's just mind-blowing, this woman. She says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What a response. Proverbs 15, says this. The fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes 
before honor. Trouble draws us to cry out to God. And great trouble draws us to the feet of God. For her, her trouble was so great that all pride was gone. She didn't care what others thought. She didn't care even what she was called. She needed help, and she, and she had heard that Jesus could help her. She didn't come to him on even ground. She came to him in great need. She came to him helpless, broken, desperate. She came in humility. This is what happens when we are in need. When we get a bad report from the doctor, when we discover something bad going on in our family, we come in humility before God. Trouble makes us humble. See, here's the, here's the, here's the problem we have in America. As long as the kids are doing pretty good, <laughs> as long as the marriage is okay, as long as my health is you know, kind of fine, as long as my job is kind of secure, we kind of walk with this thing of, we got this. This whole prayer thing and seeking God and being obedient to God and making a church every week. You know, it's okay. But I kind of got this. But I want to tell you, all of that's a false narrative. God is still the provider. Every good and perfect gift still comes from him. I am still in need of his grace. I am still in need of his favor. Trouble makes me know I need his favor. The reality is this. I need his favor all the time. I need his grace all the time. Humility recognizes our need for him. Even when things are going well, even when things are blessed, even when things are good, humility reminds me I desperately need to be at the feet of Jesus. Humility keeps us in prayer. It keeps me praying. It keeps me recognizing the reason things are going good is God is good. The reason I'm being blessed right now is, is, is God is with me and and if, even if that withdraws, I need to be at his feet. Humility pushes us to obedience, to obey God, to not argue the things of God away, but it pushes me to obey. Humility keeps us at the feet of Jesus seeking his power in our lives. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. Humility recognizes our need and that Jesus is the only answer all the time. Do you recognize your need? Or do you have this right now? Do you look at others and think, well, they really need God. Well, good, we should do that. But what do you think when you look in the mirror? God, I really need you. Trouble reminds me of my total need of God. But humility is the constant recognition of my need for God even when trouble isn't in my life. Now listen to how Jesus answers her. 
Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus called her response faith. She believed he could answer. And she was going to humbly ask for that answer. If you're going to walk under the umbrella of favor, if I'm going to walk there, I must walk in humility. Understand that God is great and I am his creation. My hope is that you will learn to walk in the favor of God. And there's many actions that we're going to cover this month and talk about. But humility in all things is where it begins. This understanding of our constant need for God. Our awareness that we need him to show us the way. That we don't need to walk in pride and arrogance of our own convictions. We need to walk under obedience to God's direction. Action for favor. The first action I've got to take is to walk in humility, complete recognition all the time of dependence upon God to meet my every need. That starts at the cross. It starts by coming to him and receiving his grace. But then it can move to his favor as I walk in obedience to him. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Lord, I'm I'm just certain there's, there's people here today wondering, why is this happening to me? Why am I not getting more of the favor that, that I need, more blessing? Why? And Lord, we know there are times in life as we'll talk in the weeks ahead when you allow things to come our way. Lord, we want to walk under your favor. We want to walk under your blessing. And so, Lord, we we, we just come here today, and I just pray to help all of us to realize not just in in a mental concept that we owe all things to you, but for, Father, at a heart level, let us rest that we owe all things to you that we need you in all ways. So, Father, speak to us today as a people and let us be humble before you and walk in humility before you and obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Right now I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come down to the front. And as we end this service, I I just want to remind you that Humility starts at the cross. Obedience starts at the cross. If you've never asked Christ into your life, let me tell you, you are not going to heaven without Jesus. You're not going to make, you're not going to have, any, you're not going to have, have, have walk in eternal peace with God until you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. There's no other way. He is the only way. Don't buy, don't buy what People are telling you out in the world today, they don't have a clue. They're lost. They're blind men trying to lead blind men. Until Jesus is, until you ask Jesus into your life, you are at odds with God. But when you receive the work Jesus is offering, you can begin to walk under the grace of God. If you haven't done that yet, 
I want to encourage you as others come for prayer this morning, you come down, talk to one of these people down the front and just say, look, I, w- I want to make sure my heart is right with God. But whatever need you have today, whatever thing you're going through today, don't be prideful. Come down today and just say, I need God to help me. He may reveal to you in the next few moments something you need to change in your life. He may just be in a move and power in your life. But whatever it is, come today and let Jesus begin to minister to you. God bless you. Grace and peace.